اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائها وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك الغافلون The famous hadith of Sayyiduna Jibra'il alayhi salam when he came to the gathering of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam in order to inquire regarding four things Al-Islam, Al-Iman, Al-Ihsan and Yawm Al-Qiyamah Four things Al-Islam comprehensively is known as Al-Fiqh jurisprudence, the outward rulings that we carry out, what is permissible, what is impermissible, what is recommended, meaning al-fiqh al-islami. Likewise, al-iman, faith, the details of iman, belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, belief in the angels, belief in the messengers, alayhimu salatu wa salam, belief in the books and so many articles of faith which comprehensively is known as ilmul kalam theology and then al ihsan the state of perfection which was defined and ta'budullah ka'annaka tarahu fa illam takun tarahu fa innahu yaraq you worship allah as if you observe him and if you do not observe him then know that he observes you this spiritual state Al-Ihsan, comprehensively known as Tasawwuf. The fourth, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam was asked regarding Yawm Al-Qiyamah. When will the Day of Judgment occur? And he replied, مَا الْمَسْؤُولُ بِأَعْلَمَ مِنَ السَّائِلِ which means the one being questioned and the one questioning are the same with regard to this issue. But Sayyiduna Jibreel alayhi salam, you can say Jibreel and Jibrail both. Sayyiduna Jibreel alayhi salam asked, Akhbirni an ashratiha, inform me of its signs. Now, when Sayyiduna Jibreel alayhi salam asked this. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave two signs. Those, the first sign, rabbaha, or in a, a different narration, rabbataha. And the second sign, وَأَن تَرَ الْحُفَاتَ الْعُرَاتَ Two signs were given. Now, generally speaking, in madaris, schools, Islamic schools, people study al-fiqh al-islami. So, in al-qaratul hindiya, meaning shibh al-qaratul hindiya, meaning India will study al-quduri, will study al-hidayah, knowing halal and haram. In other parts of the Muslim world, they'll study the works of the other schools. 
in kalam ilmul kalam we'll study sharhul aqaid we'll study other works in belief in tasawwuf of course ihsan goes beyond studying works but people will read ihya'u ulum al-din ar-risalatul qushayriya qutul qulub but the hadith is not discussing that because in commonly when discussing with atheists when they say why do we not see god with our our own eyes and younger people should pay attention to this these are the absurd objections that the atheists give outwardly ostensibly the objection may sound right why do we not see god almighty on earth the answer is who said you only observe with eyes you can observe with the mind and you can observe with the heart someone may say how you can know rational facts through the mind you know that there are millions of stars do you observe them or do you know this rationally so you can observe allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the mind and with the heart meaning knowing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is what i mean by observing so if you do not see him then know he observes you and this is what is known as muhasaba and muraqaba muhasaba taking your actions into account muraqaba observing your link uh, or observing the effect of the divine attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a daily basis yes so based upon these strong principles the Sufi sages they wrote down some of them never wrote like Abdul Aziz al-Dabagh rahimallahu ta'ala or Abu Abbas al-Mursi rahimallahu ta'ala so many of them were ummi meaning ummi meaning untaught by human beings but they had ilm ladunni which is referred to in al-Quran al-Kareem وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّ عِلْمًا regarding Sayyiduna Khidr alayhi salam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we taught him وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّ from our own presence ilma knowledge so they had ilm ladunni so based upon this the foundation foundational principles were laid down and then expanded upon by the inheritors of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam but the fourth subject ashratu sa'a is a subject to some degree is neglected and if it is not neglected if people do discuss it they discuss it they discuss the subject without being precise so what are the two principles laid down the two principles the first principle was this is the first principle the second one was what does the first principle mean the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that you shall observe the slave girl giving birth to her mistress rabbataha and in another version rabbaha this is the first principle the second principle that you shall observe with the first one the translation would be 
until the amatu that the slave girl shall give birth. There's no mention of observation. But in the second one, وَأَنْتَرَى you shall observe الْحُفَاتَ you shall observe those with no shoes الْحُفَاتَ الْعُرَاتَ those with no clothes رِعَاءَ الشَّائِ those who had goats يَتَطَاوَلُونَ فِي الْبُنْيَانِ they shall compete with one another in buildings constructing buildings, tall buildings Yatatawalun, meaning constructing tall buildings. Two principles. Now, how someone may say, how are these two things, principles, relating to Ashratu Sa'a? The response is that the first sign, commonly when you check all the commentaries, you check Al Imam Al Nawawi, Rahimallah Ta'ala, his commentary, Al Minhaj and Sahih, Al Imam Muslim, and other commentaries, so many commentaries. You write, check what Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi wrote in a tadhkira So many different scholars. You'll find that they mention that the meaning of the first sign is that people shall take slave girls and from those slave girls, some of the kings shall take slave girls. When they take slave girls, they shall have children with those slave girls. Those children then shall become kings and their mother will be one of their subjects. Meaning they shall be kings or queens, not queens, because in Islam we've never had queens. Because the Messenger of Allah said, no nation shall be successful that places a woman to lead it. Some people say, is this misogyny? The answer is no. Why not? Because the, Islam is not negating that women cannot be a part of the parliament. They can be part of parliament, but head of state entails a, a person who meets military leaders. And the military leader must be strong. And if the military leader is a woman, she will interact with men in an inappropriate environment. So the head of state must always be a man. But the women can have other roles. Like Sayyidina Umar placed a woman in charge of the marketplaces. But the actual head of state should, must always be a man. Otherwise, the nation shall never be successful. Look at Pakistan with Benazir Bhutto. What happened to Pakistan after? But, but some can say, look what happened to England with Theresa May, with the Brexit deal. <laughs> but nevertheless, the people who make the objection, like the, uh, the Americans, how many American female presidents have you had? Since the inception of America until today, there, there has not been a single female president. Why? Because the, the role entails meeting military leaders. There are reasons behind, a wisdom behind everything the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam legislated. Some people, some, uh, they object to Sharia today and attempt to change Sharia from within because they cannot understand the wisdom behind the legal rulings. But this was the common uh, interpretation that all the scholars mention. The additional interpretation that I would want to mention today is that the meaning of the hadith also includes 
a change occurring within the new generation toward the end of times that the toward the end of times the new generation shall change the mindset to such a degree that the educational system and the curriculum and understanding of people shall change to such a degree that the previous generation would be considered like slaves and the new generation will consider themselves as being authoritative over the understanding of the previous generation. How the second portion of the hadith relates to hukm, judgment, uh, uh, worldly rules that you shall observe with your own eyes people who have no shoes previously they had no shoes previously they were naked previously they would herd goats but now they will compete with one another in constructing tall buildings we see this quite literally today in countries like the UAE United Arab Emirates in Dubai, one of the Emirates, and all these other places, they construct tall buildings. But even in Mecca al-Mukarramah, outside of al-Masjid al-Haram, you literally have the hour, the clock hour, outside, literally outside of al-Masjid al-Haram. That in previous times, people when doing the tawaf, they would look at the Kaaba, al-Kaabat al-Musharrafah, if their eyes went onto other parts, they'd look at al-Masjid al-Haram, if their eyes went beyond al-Masjid al-Haram, they would observe the mountains. Why? The mountains are blessed. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took an oath by the city of Mecca al-Mukarramah. The mountains are the mountains upon which the Messenger of Allah sallallahu lived. But what did they do? They literally removed the mountains, which is one of the signs of the end of times. Sayyiduna Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhuma was sitting on the mountains of Mecca al-Mukarramah. As Uthman bin Sa'id al-Dani mentions in the book Al-Fitan and Sayyiduna Abdullah said that soon buildings shall be constructed higher than these mountains. And in another uh, hadith, the Messenger of Allah said that the mountains shall be removed from their foundations. And in another version of the hadith, Literally the word uh, is used meaning be cut away, the mountains shall be cut away. So that sign has occurred also alongside with they shall compete with one another in building tall buildings. So previously people would observe that but now when doing the tawaf of al-Ka'bat al-Musharrafah people's eyes are distracted by a clock tower. So both of these Principles of a sharatu sa'a entail what? What they entail, the first sign entails that toward the end of times, the mindset of people shall change. That antali rabbataha, the slave girl shall give birth to her mistress or her master, rabbaha, is a change in mindset. The literal meaning is also true, it has occurred. Because some of the Banu al-Abbas and Banu Umayyah, they would marry slave girls 
and then they would have children with them and the children were masters over their own mothers. This has quite literally happened. But the Kalamun Nabuwa, prophetic speech is such that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, الكلم, I was sent with the pittiest of expressions. Pittiest of expressions means small expressions but have full meaning. So one of the additional meanings is the change in the mindset of people. What changes that? In previous times, in places like Morocco, some of the education of the people was such that their education would not exceed the Quran. They would memorize the Quran. They would, some of them would learn grammar and syntax and then understand their life from the perspective of the Quran. The Quran is muhaymin upon everything else, meaning the Quran is authoritative upon everything else. Your worldview should be in accordance with the Quran. The Quran should be known as the, the world's constitution, meaning the, the UN, the United Nations have their constitution which they attempt to bring, they have actually brought most of nation states under one umbrella which they term as the UN, the United Nations, and they have a constitution. In reality, the Muslims should bring together the Muslim countries and have the constitution as being the Quran, Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Yes, that formerly was, formerly was known as the Khilafah. And the last Khilafah was Al-Dawlatul Uthmaniyah. And the last Khalifa was Sultan Abdul Hamid Al-Thani, Rahimallahu Ta'ala. Meaning you had three after him, but they were under the Young Turk movement. So the, the, the last real Khalifa was Sultan Abdul Hamid Al-Thani, Rahimallahu Ta'ala, who was made to leave the throne in 1909. And he passed away as a prisoner in the year 1918. He passed away. His Sheikh was a Sheikh Mahmoud Afendi Abu Shamat. And he had a litany from him in the Shadli order. He would read the Wird. And he passed away in the year 1918. When he wrote a letter to him, he said that the Zion, international Zionists attempted to buy Al-Quds Sharif. They offered 150 million British sterling gold coins. Meaning gold coins, 150 million they offered at that time for Palestine, the whole region, not only Al-Quds Sharif, but the whole of Palestine. When he refused, that is when he was forced to abdicate the throne in 1909. So this change occurs with the mindset of how people view the world. A secular education will make you interpret the Quran with a secular mindset. When in reality, the mindset should be that the world is interpreted and secular education is interpreted with the Quran. Yes, this is the correct mindset. Meaning, Al-Quran Al-Kareem and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi wa Wasallam is what should interpret everything around us. But the change of mindset 
is such that now secularism, a separation of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ubudiya, servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is removed from daily life. This is the meaning of secularism. When a Muslim cannot be secular, why, why did the ulama and the asfiya, the, the pious people, carry a sibha at all times is in order to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So irrelevant to when a person, whether he is a parliamentarian or a prime minister or a person in authority or in any institute, he, was, he is always in connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning secularism, removing your link, your ubudiyah, servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your daily life is something which is unknown in Islam. So this is the first change, the change in the mindset, afkar, thoughts. The second thing, the second part of the hadith tells us regarding what we are observing now because the hadith states, Antara, you shall observe, what shall you observe? These people, meaning the Bedouins, that prior they were people who had insufficient wealth even for footwear, insufficient wealth even for garments, clothing, insufficient wealth, that the most that they could do was herd goats. And in one uh, version of the hadith, the wording used is al-buhma. Al-buhm, the word al-buhm, that is where the word bahima is from, which is a beast, because a beast cannot speak. Al-buhma means uneducated people. What shall they do? They shall compete with one another in constructing tall buildings. But that is the literal meaning. But there is also an additional meaning. And there are many additional meanings which Above every knowledgeable person, there is someone more knowledgeable. The more knowledgeable a person is, they can extract more meanings from the same statement. One of the additional meanings is that qararul hukm the governance shall change so not only change in mindset because if you look at the insurrection that occurred in a dawlatul uthmaniyah in the last khilafa the change was firstly with the mindset the young turk movement and then the nationalist movement and the movement of ataturk mustafa kamal these were nationalist movements, the mindset had changed. But additional to the mindset changing, the qararul hukm, the governance shall change, that the focus of those people in power shall be on petty things like constructing tall buildings. In countries where you have people who do, who do not have even sufficient uh, amount to eat, you have people rich people competing with one another in order to, to construct tall buildings to no end. When the same wealth can be used in public welfare. One of the, one of the things that the British dismantled from the Uthmaniyun, the Ottomans, was something known as the Awqaf. What is Awqaf? Awqaf is public welfare or public endowments. 
waqf what the islamic system has is that the awqaf is that if pilgrims entered makkah al-mukarramah or al-madinah al-munawwarah today when they enter they must pay high prices for hotels like hilton you have hilton hotel hilton hotel is a hotel owned by a supermodel paris hilton but she has a hotel in makkah al-mukarramah in al-madinah al-munawwarah so the money of the pilgrims is going into the pockets of people like Paris Hilton, a non-Muslim supermodel. This is the mindset of the rulers today. That the money that is being generated through Hajj and Umrah is being reinvested into the Western world corporations. But what did the Awqaf system entail? That the Muslims build hostels in Makkah al-Mukarramah, in al-Madinah al-Munawwarah, on the roads, uh, the, the, what we call today motorways, in different places. And when travels, travelers come along, if they can afford to pay for lodgings, they can pay for higher standard lodgings, but a basic standard lodging is given to anyone who cannot afford. So the pilgrims would come to Hajj, and there were basic lodgings for people who were unable to afford. Why? Who would pay? The Sultan, the Khalifa would pay. From the public welfare, from the public treasury, Baytul Mal. From the Baytul Mal, meaning the public treasury. This was the, the governance of the Khilafa. Because the Khilafa is what? Khilafa is Adl, justice on the earth. The real Khilafa is justice on the earth for Muslims and non-Muslims. It's a mercy. So in order to tarnish the Khilafah, people would uh, now mention uh, things in order to say that it does away with the rights of other human beings. Uh, the, they would mention the Armenian slaughter that occurred uh, in 1915 at the hands of the Turks. But was this done by the Khalifa? The answer is no, because a Sultan Abdul Hamid Thani, the last real Khalifa, was abdicated from the throne in 1909. That was carried out by the Young Turk movement, meaning which was a nationalist movement. Nevertheless, this change in governance shall occur. And the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, foretold this. This Meaning these two principal signs, once they occur, everything else is downhill after this with regard to the signs of the Day of Judgment. Meaning the scholars like Al-Imam Muhammad bin Abdul Rasul al-Barzanji, the author of Al-Isha'a, Al-Ashrati Sa'a, they have works where they place the signs of the end of times. They have Al-Sughra, Al-Wusta and Al-Kubra. Al-Sughra is the minor signs that have occurred and finished. Al-Wusta are those signs that are occurring and will continue to occur. Al-Kubra are the major signs that start with the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So, the period we live in now is the period where the mindset has changed and the governance shall change or has changed in the Muslim world. So irrelevant to what promises leaders may make or what 
promise they make that they are governing according to the, the way of the Khulafa, Al-Khulafa Al-Rashidun, we must realize that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam foretold this time, which is the time, the fitna of Al-Ghutha. What is Al-Ghutha? The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that the nations shall call themselves against you. The word tada'a is used. How the way people call al-akala, meaning those who come to eat and consume from a qasa'a. Qasa'a is a platter of food. The people shall, the nations shall come, be called to consume from you the way people are called to eat from a platter. So what occurred is after World War, or during World War I, when Turkey took sides with Germany, Britain, France, all these different nations, they divided the Muslim world. Meaning read the history of what occurred during that time. This was the time when the Balfour Declaration was written in 1918. People say Israel is a result of the Holocaust, which occurred in the time of Hitler, much later in 1939. But if that were the case, then why was Lord Rothschild at that time promised a Jewish homeland in 1918? Meaning you had the Lord Balfour of the UK in 1918 writing a letter to Lord Rothschild mentioning the inception of a Jewish homeland in 1918. Additional to that, William Gladstone, who was Prime Minister of this country four times in the 1800s, during the reign of Victoria and others, William Gladstone. In 1894 or 1895, in one of those two years, he retired in, the, in, in that period. He mentioned that this, these wars, meaning with the Muslims, because remember in the 1800s, they had many wars with the Muslims also. They had the war in Sudan. Read up on the history of Sudan, how the Sudanese took back Sudan, because initially Napoleon invaded Egypt in 1798, and then the, uh, the Uthmaniyun waged war against Napoleon and the French, but then the British entered Egypt, and the British also took over southern parts of uh, Egypt and entered into Sudan and the Sudanese were taking that land back and this William Gladstone he said these wars with the Muslims shall never finish until we get rid of this book and they say he had a copy of Al-Quran Al-Kareem meaning until we remove this book from the world or from the hearts of the Muslims uh, the exact wording of the statement you can find meaning this is not conspiratorial William Gladstone is such a Prime Minister that even today you can find uh, half a minute of his voice on YouTube. Meaning uh, in the late 1800s they recorded some audio of his voice. Not that statement, but that statement is very well known. So in 1918 you have Lord Balfour writing a letter saying, meaning 101 years ago, that a Jewish homeland shall uh, be made in Palestine. Prior to that, Sultan Abdul Hamid in 1901 writes a letter to the leader of the Zionist movement 
saying that we shall never sell this land for 150 million British golden pounds. Never. I mean, this, you can also read the statement of a Sultan Abdul Hamid Thani, rahimahullah ta'ala. But from this point, you have this fitna of Al-Ghutha. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam, said, the nations shall surround you the way people eat from a platter. So quite literally, in the UN building, they sit around a, round, uh, a set of tables which are placed in a round formation, quite literally. As if the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam, was observing them. From that time, with the alam of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informing him. So, they said, will it occur because we will be less in number? The companions, Ali Muridwan, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam, said, no, you will be numerous on that day. Meaning in that time. But you will be like Al-Ghutha. What is Al-Ghutha? Al-Ghutha is the on a sea or an ocean when the waves uh, when the waves continue crashing foam develops on the top of the sea an observer will think that the foam is dense water building up on the top of the water but when the person places his hand through the foam they realize there is no water underneath the foam so you will be numerous but what is the meaning that you shall have no substance to you. So they asked, and in the hadith, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall place al-wahan. The word used is al-wahan in the hearts. They inquired, what is wahan? The Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, hubb dunya wa karahiyatul mawt. Love of the world and a dislike for death. Meaning, love of the world. Remember, Islam does not tell us that we abandon the world. Never. We work with the world, asbab. The world is a means. But we do not love the world. Islam does not tell us to abandon the world. Because if that were the case, why would the Sharia tell us how to govern? Why would the Sharia have Baytul Mal, treasury? Why would we be ordered to feed the poor? We do not abandon the dunya. We must work. Meaning, you do not sit in the masjid all day. No, it's fard on you to go and work and give money to your parents and to your wife and children. Well, you don't give the children money, you give them food and clothes. Yes? But you must sustain your parents and your wife and your children zafard but hubbud dunya is disliked so wakarahiyatul maut and a dislike for death someone may say muslims they love death so much that their religion encourages them to love death the meaning is not that the meaning is that when you die who do you meet you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do we mean by meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from physical location because he created time and place. It means you go into the hereafter, you see the angels, you have a love that you will 
you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hereafter. So, hubbud dunya, you love the world, but you dislike to meet your Lord. So this ailment, this fitna, is referred to as al-ghusa. Then the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam describes in different ahadith the different fitan tribulations that shall occur. One is known is fitnatul ahlas. What is ahlas? Ahlas is plural of hilts. Hilts is a cloth that is placed on the back of a saddle. And this hadith has two meanings. One is that the fitna shall continue for a long period of time. A second meaning is that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to the Sahabi, one of the companions, Kun hilsa baytik, be the hills of your house, meaning the way you place a cloth down on the sofa that stays in the house, at that time you stay in your house. What does that mean? When this fitna occurs, you do not involve yourself in that fitna, tribulation. So, like this, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told regarding different periods of fitna, tribulations that shall occur. Tribulations in the wealth of an individual. Tribulations in the desires of an individual. Tribulations of rulers. Tribulations of religious sects, even sectarianism. That the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam foretold Regarding people who shall read the Quran, la it shall not even go down their throat. Meaning, they shall recite, but it shall not touch their hearts. That they shall come out of the religion the way an arrow comes out of the bow. Meaning, the way the, the arrow is fired quickly, the arrow leaves the bow, that's how quickly they shall leave the religion. Why shall they leave the religion? Because they shall kill other Muslims. This is the mindset of the Khawarij, the Khawarij sect. It started in the time of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an, when they declared Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an and Amir Muawiyah radiallahu an as disbelievers. Then they took up arms and they started killing other Muslims. After Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an destroyed them, they were known as Hururiya because they, they resided in a village by the, uh, in relation with, with that name, with a nisbah to that name. Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that they shall, because he was informed by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, يَخْرُجُ مِنْ هَذَا قَوْمٌ That from the loins of this man a group of people shall appear. What group of people? that they shall declare other believers as disbelievers with no right and they shall kill other Muslims in every generation. So in Pakistan in the 90s you had these groups with guns that would go into uh, places of worship of other sects and kill people, shoot them down, gun them down. This is a khawarij mindset, meaning fomenting sectarian bloodshed amongst Muslims. Totally impermissible. No Sunni alim has ever allowed this. Meaning permitted this. And if they have, then they are incorrect. Meaning, 
killing other people because they dispute with you on sectarian issues. So this is one type of fitna, tribulation that occurs. Likewise, different types of tribulation that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa described that time that grasping onto your religion will be grasping onto hot ember, a hot coal. Meaning, that time the Messenger of Allah used the word ayyam, it will be some days, meaning it shall not last forever. The time of tribulation shall not last forever. But it will be like grasping onto hot coal, meaning staying firm on the principles of your religion. That is the time of fitna tribulations. These tribulations, with the change of the mindset, and with the different political turmoil that shall occur in the Muslim world and elsewhere, shall all be in preparation for the appearance of a Dajjal. Someone may say how. How this is, is that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, no fitna, tribulation occurs, except that it is in preparation for a Dajjal. Any fitna. How, how can we understand this? Any fitna that occurs, weakens the iman, the faith of an individual. When the iman, the, the iman of an individual is weakened, then when a Dajjal appears and claims divinity, the person of weak iman shall start to believe in a Dajjal. So anything that weakens the iman is a fitna. And that fitna is in preparation for the appearance of a Dajjal. So all these fit, fit and tribulations that occur, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi gave them different names. Like I mentioned As-Sarra and there is another one Fitna to Duhayma and other names. If you check the works of Hadith you will find but being precise in what these Fitna tribulations entail deserves studying as to what they entail. But this shall continue until the major signs occur. Now some of the minor signs that people would never have thought will occur have occurred even in our lifetime. One of them is that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu foretold Nikahul a man shall marry another man. The word used is nikah. And it is not in reference to non-Muslims, it is in reference to Muslims, people who ostensibly are Muslim. So this occurred even within the UK, where two men claiming to be Muslim married one another. Now where does all this come from? Where uh, relationship and sex education taught in schools, where is this coming from? If you check you'll find that the UN is responsible for what is taught in the curriculum. Because the UN has policies, meaning they have certain policies that relate to education. In some cases, the UN when they, or the International Monetary Fund, when they give loans out to people, 
Do you think they give those loans without a string attached? They are so kind, these bankers, the Rothschild family and others that control the banking system, you think that they are so kind that they will say, here Pakistan, you are such a great nation with a nuclear bomb, we're going to give you eight billion pound, eight billion dollars, because you want to make Riyasatul Madina, and we will give you IMF loans? Or will they have a long string attached? In fact, the string they have attached is a rubber band. The rubber band will, meaning whatever we need from you, we will take. Because of these IMF loans, in Pakistan, for instance, the natural resources of Pakistan, when Pakistan cannot pay off the loans, what these corporations do is that they take those natural resources and sell those resources in other countries and they take the profit. So you can buy salt, salt which is taken from Kashmir in the mountains. The salt is, it, it may say, from Himalayas or from Kashmir or from Pakistan. But why is it being sold here? Because they take, they take the salt for free, they sell the salt here and they take the money. And then they deduct some of the loan. But then they also add interest onto the loans. Meaning the IMF, they will, they will add interest onto the loans also. So, when these type of fit and tribulations occur, one of those tribulations that the Messenger of Allah mentioned was that a time shall come upon people that they shall consume riba. Whoever does not consume a riba, the dust of riba will afflict them. Yes? Someone may say, when did this occur? This occurred after the fall of a Dawlatul Uthmaniyya. How? When Pakistan was made, they had something known as the Chandni Rupee. With the Chandni Rupee, you could go to the shop, you could buy so many different things. There are people here who are old enough to remember. You could go and buy a chicken, you could go buy so many things with the Chandni Rupee. They did away with the Chandni Rupee and they replaced it with the paper rupee. Now if you go to the shop with the one paper rupee, you cannot even buy a rupee. You cannot even buy a rupee with a rupee. Meaning it's totally worthless. Why is the value gone? Because the banking system has replaced real currency of gold and silver with paper money. Now the, the history of that you can read in so many works regarding what occurred with the agreements that they made with the American uh, treasury and so many different things. But the point being, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, لا تقوم الساعة حتى يعز الله فيه ثلاثا That the hour shall not occur until Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala shall make three things rare, very rare to find. One of them is dirhaman min halal. A silver coin of halal. Previously scholars would read this hadith and they would think the hadith meaning correctly also that it means silver coins would be widespread but they are not halal because the earnings may be haram. 
But now when we read the hadith, we know it means that halal income will be difficult. But halal income is more easy than getting a silver coin. Try and, getting, try and get a silver coin. You would have to go on, online and look for a silver coin. So, one of them, try finding a Chandani rupee today. That sign has occurred literally. So, like this, the UN, when they take these loans, when they give these loans, the IMF, when they give the loans, they will tell the governments of those countries that when you take these loans, you must also teach this, this and this. So today, if any change occurs in the curriculums in Pakistan, or any changes occur in any other country, in Africa especially, why on earth would an African nation want to teach this LGBTQ thing? Yes? Why? Because those nations have taken loans, the mineral resources of those countries have been plundered, in order to pay back those loans but at the same time not only is governance changed but education in order to change the mindset of the people occurs meaning change the mindset of the people so these are some of the ashratu sa'a that shall occur before the appearance of a dajjal in the end of times before the appearance of a dajjal a few more things which i would want to mention if you have the resolve to listen, uh, are you willing to listen? Yeah. Yes? Okay. If, I'm, uh, if I stretch the talk too long, if some of the buzurg feel uh, tired, you just send me a note and notify me that you've, you're going on a bit too long. When the mindset is changed and qararul hukm governance is changed, these two things are changed, this leads to an imbalance in the world. All the imbalance that we observe today is due to do these two things. That the mindset has changed and the governance has changed. The signs like nikahur rajuli ar-rajula, a man marrying a man, at the moment has occurred here in, in, in England, but soon you will observe this occurring in the Muslim world. People may think this will not happen, but it will happen. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa foretold as narrated in the Mustadrak of Al-Imam Al-Hakim that in the end of times a group shall appear that shall say there are not five prayers, there are only three because the Quran only mentions three but we know from the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa that there are five but this group of people will reject the Sunnah and they will reinterpret the Quran and they will say that there are only three. And one of the signs of the end of times is that women shall be praying in their haid, meaning uh, while they are in the um, periods, menstruating periods. They shall pray their salah in that state. So there will be ulama, uh, ulama su, evil scholars writing these type of fatawa verdicts. The likes of Jawed Ghamidi in Pakistan meaning verdicts which are corrupt, corrupt the people in an attempt to change the, the religion from within. So these are the different types of tribulations that shall continue occurring. 
And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa also foretold that there shall be people who shall permit muskirat, alcohol consumption, meaning those verdicts have already been given. There is a person who gave a verdict that beer is permitted, beer. So according to that person, a Muslim can drink beer because beer is permitted. That fatwa has already been given. When these tribulations continue, the believer grasps onto his religion the way a person would grasp onto a hot coal in order to safeguard his iman, his faith. The tribulations then shall make two camps of people. One camp ready for a dajjal to follow him. And another camp ready for the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu so the signs that shall occur before the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu What are those signs? Firstly, one of the, the ulama scholars and pious people, they would say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. He was one of the abdal of Syria, Asham of the Levant. Al-Shaykh Shukri Al-Luhafi rahimallahu ta'ala Someone close to me, a friend of mine, asked him when we were in Syria, When shall Al-Imam Al-Mahdi appear? A Shaykh Shukri Al-Luhafi said words to the effect of that he will appear when Allah wills, but in the meantime the Quran is your Mahdi. Meaning, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills for him to appear, he shall appear, but in the meantime you must follow the teachings of Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Meaning, do not fall into the trap, a danger of some people that they know that Al-Imam Al-Mahdi, his appearance is impending, very close. But some of the followers will become misguided because they will carry out acts which are not, are not fitting a Muslim, like they will sell their home and they will leave their job and stop living their life as they should, place their, displace their children, displace them, how taking your children from one country to another is displacing them. And then they will wait for decades and Imam al-Mahdi will not appear. So what does the Quran tell us? What does the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah tell us? Firstly, with regard to the preparation, is preparation firstly for your own death, which is to keep your Iman strong, Iman intact, and secondly, to preserve your five daily prayers. Meaning, if you cannot wake up for Fajr and pray Fajr in congregation, how will you be from the group that the Messenger of Allah said, even if you need to crawl on ice to get to Al-Mahdi, then crawl on ice? Meaning, you believe you will be from those who crawl on ice to Al-Imam Al-Mahdi and you cannot crawl out of your warm bed to pray Fajr prayer. Al-Imam Muhammad bin Yusuf al-Sunusi states, anyone who prays their Fajr in congregation and their Isha in congregation for 40 days, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes Al-Bara'atum min al-Nifaq when commands the angels to write Al-Bara'atum min al-Nifaq this person is free from hypocrisy. 
So this is your preparation. Second preparation is reciting Al-Quranul Kareem. There is something known as Al-Jafa. What is Al-Jafa? Al-Jafa is being harsh with something or abandoning something. For instance, they say, if you travel with someone, you never ask them their name, you have done Jafa to them. If you have a neighbor and you never check on him, you have done Al-Jafa with him. Some of the pious people would say that anyone who learned how to recite Al-Quranul Kareem and does not recite 90 verses a day has done Jafa with the Quran. So this is your second preparation for this, the end of times is to recite Al-Quran Kareem. Recite Surah Al-Kahf every Friday. Because the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, anyone who, words to the effect that anyone who recites Surah Al-Kahf on Friday, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala creates a light for them by which they are able to distinguish false and truth for the entire week. So every week they recite Surah Al-Kahf. But if someone recites Surah Al-Kahf, Surah Al-Kahf will protect them from the fitna of Dajjal. And even if a person meets a Dajjal, when he comes face to face with him, he recites the first 10 verses of Surah Al-Kahf, a Dajjal will be unable to touch him. Meaning he will not be affected by the fitna. So memorizing the first 10 verses of Surah Al-Kahf, this is preparation. So do not fall into this thing. Some people, they have kashf, spiritual unveiling. Remember, kashf can be correct or incorrect. Because all kashf is judged in accordance with the Quran and the Sunnah. So some people may have a kashf. Al-Imam Al-Mahdi will appear this hajj. So people go into a frenzy. And they think Al-Imam Al-Mahdi will appear and then he does not appear. Yes. The correct method is, if the kashf is correct, then we are already prepared by praying five times a day, reciting our Quran, staying firm on the Quran and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, earning a halal income and feeding our children. Because there is no greater jihad, no greater jihad than feeding your parents and feeding your children and wife. Yes. So this is one thing with regard to preparation. People talk about preparation, avoiding haram is preparation. Not selling your house and buying gold and placing gold in. Some people do this. They are telling people to, uh, to move to the countryside and buy, and buy gold. They themselves will live in cities. They will use technology. But they will tell their followers to sell their houses their properties and stop trading and stop doing everything and seclude yourself. That ruling may be for the khawas, meaning very specific people. The awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning the top end of the awliya. They may be able to do that. But the common person has a very simple task. Pray your five daily prayers, fulfill your obligations, recite your Quran, and staying patient with your parents and with your wife and your children is a greater jihad than abandoning everything and running off to the countryside. <laughs> so, the second thing is with regard to the signs that shall occur before the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. 
One of those signs, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi foretold that the Euphrates River, the, the level of water shall diminish and a mountain of gold shall appear. Jabalam min al-Dhahab. Some people have attempted to interpret this to mean the Gulf War. What they say is, they say money, paper money was measured according to gold. But after the Gulf War, the US dollar is measured in accordance with petrol, oil, and therefore the term petrodollars. So they say this is the interpretation of the hadith. The response to that is that the Messenger of Allah foretold that in other ahadith regarding the discovery of oil, regarding the worldwide usury interest, meaning the banking system that we observe today, and so many other things. But this particular hadith is very literal. That what shall happen is that the water, water levels of the Euphrates River shall diminish. Now they do diminish from time to time. Sometimes you may have a drought in Iraq and the water levels recede. But then they go back up when rains come. And sometimes they, it happens because of the dam which is constructed by Turkey. That Turkey may not allow water to flow through the Euphrates and the water levels diminish. But then when Turkey opens up the dam, then the, the, the river and the land is replenished. But this particular sign shall be of such a nature that the water shall diminish and a mountain of gold shall appear. And what shall happen is that from a thousand people, every thousand who will go to take the gold, 999 of those people will die. Meaning, the types of weapons that will be used are not swords. Are not swords. This, is an, this alludes to modern warfare. And some of the people who shall go to attempt to take that gold, they shall say, maybe I will be the one person who shall survive. Meaning, they will be familiar of the hadith. They will be Muslims. And three princes shall die fighting for that gold. Of course, the princes are not designated. People jump the gun to say this, it may be the Saudi princes or it may be Muhammad bin Salman. Or You should never jump the gun to make these predictions. No. Stick to the wording of the hadith. When it occurs, you shall know. This is a major mistake people do in, in methodology. Mention how the hadith states, but when the sign shall occur, you shall know. And this is one of the first signs of the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi One thing with the signs of the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi is that a person cannot say he shall appear this Hajj and none of these signs have occurred. The signs must occur first. Additional to that, some people say from their research Al-Imam Al-Mahdi will appear in 600 years. And others will say he shall appear very soon. What is the correct answer? The correct answer is that he shall appear when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can will for him to appear tomorrow if the signs occur. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates the signs and wills for him to appear. But the signs could be delayed. So it can ha now we are living at the tipping point. The tipping point can last 50 years. The tipping point can last 100 years. We'll, we would have passed away. It can last 200 years. It can last 600 years. It can last a few weeks. You can wake up tomorrow and you s the news reaches you that the levels of the Euphrates River have uh, receded and a mountain of gold has appeared and people are dying. This is a sign. But you should never wish for these signs to take place because it is also a sign of fitna, tribulation. So this is one sign that shall occur. But once the signs start, they shall continue in such a way if you have a pearl necklace and the string of the pearl necklace is cut and the pearls fall one by one, then the signs shall continue occurring. What are the additional signs? An earthquake shall occur in the region known as Harasta. This is mentioned by Nu'aym bin Hamad in Al-Fitan. He's the teacher of Al-Imam Al-Bukhari. The hadith is mentioned in his work Al-Fitan that an earthquake shall occur in the region known as Harasta. When the earthquake occurs in Harasta and the epicenter shall be Harasta, the western wall of the Grand Umayyad Masjid, Al-Jami'ul Umawi, shall collapse due to the tremors. This is one of the signs that shall occur. By the way, an earthquake already happened in Harasta, in the, uh, prior to the Middle Ages. But that is not the earthquake that is mentioned. It was a tremendous earthquake, but the western wall of the masjid did not fall. So this sign is yet to occur. An additional sign is that the ruler of the Levant, Syria at that time, shall send an army into the Hijaz. That army shall enter Al-Madinatul Munawwara and they shall pillage the city violate the sanctity of the city and then after leaving al-madinatul munawwara they shall march and they shall enter a quicksand a quicksand near an area known as al-bayda if you if you check on google today you check al-bayda in in arabia you can see google images of the region they shall be swallowed in a quicksand in that region this will be a third sign of the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi radiallahu an. A fourth sign mentioned by Ibn Abi Shayba in his Musannaf on the authority of Sayyiduna Abbas radiallahu an, the uncle of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam, that a voice shall call out announcing the appearance of Al-Imam Al-Mahdi meaning the voice of an angel. This is a fourth sign that shall occur. Of course, there are other signs, but once these signs start, they will continue with succession and quickly. We are now living in the period where the slave girl shall give birth to her mistress, and you shall see you shall see the barefoot, the naked, the herders of goats, 
competing in building tall buildings, we're gonna change of the nizam, the the ordinances of government. We are living in this period, and then the fitna that occurs after al-duhayma, al-sarra, all these different fitan, these are the times of tribulation. And the impending times are those times in which Al-Imam Al-Mahdi shall appear. But what do we do in the meantime? We increase, firstly, in our knowledge of Al-Islam. There is no practicing Islam except with knowledge. Secondly, we establish our five daily prayers. Thirdly, we recite Al-Quran Al-Kareem and learn Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Fourthly, we avoid all the haram, that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. And we carry out all of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us in order that our iman, our faith stay strong. So that when we die, we die an iman if we die before the appearance of Imam al-Mahdi. And if we die um, after that period, we die an iman because multiple tribulations shall occur after that. In worse tribulations. The tribulations, مَا مِنْ يَوْمٍ إِلَّا وَالَّذِي بَعْدَهُ شَرٌ مِّنْهُ The hadith states, there is no day except the day after is worse than the previous. Meaning, the fitna, the tribulation shall increase and increase and increase. People performing haram, but then not only performing haram, deeming haram to be permissible. Ch attempting to change the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from within. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to strengthen our iman, strengthen our practice, increase the congregation in the masjid. Uh, everyone, young and old, should at least pray fajr prayer in the masjid. Why? Because in the, in the morning you go work. Before you go work, come and pray congregation, one prayer at least, fajr. And then if you return from work in the evening, then pray Isha, Fajr and Isha, in the masjid, minimum. But everyone should attempt to pray Fajr prayer in the masjid. Meaning the Fajr prayer should be the biggest prayer in the masjid. And if you do night shift, you work at night shift, when you finish your night shift, then come and pray Fajr prayer also. And then sleep in the day. Of course, when you sleep, wake up for the prayers also. Quickly pray and go to sleep again. But we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to understand our religion correctly. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa atubu ilayhim.